mean, it's it's been several years since I've been like really deeply involved in um, setting up these types of systems for yeah. healthcare providers. So I'm just basing this off of, you know, experience let's say like five years ago. So my my technology experience and knowledge about this is about five years old or more. Got it. Um, yeah. So just as a, as a disclaimer, if people are listening to this and they're like, oh my God, she has no idea what she's talking about. You're right. I have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about now, but I know right. what I'm talking about five years ago. <laughs> you are listening to the We Are Not Safe For Work podcast. Your hosts, Renee and Nadja, will dive into all the different reasons why some entrepreneurs become unemployable. Okay, so here we are. Um, here we are. Yeah, hi Nadja. Hi Renee, how are you? Honestly, it's not the best day, but it's not sure. bad either. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, those, those days are completely valid and it happened way more than you think. <laughs> oh God, it's an entrepreneur. It's for sure. It's just, you know, have you seen that meme that it's like the day in the life of an entrepreneur where it's this giant roller coaster? Oh my goodness. Yep. It's yep, so yep. true. It's like, yeah. okay, this is never going to work out. I absolutely can't do this anymore. Oh yep. my God. That's amazing. Let me try that. Yes. This is going to be so good. Nope. Terrible. Oh yeah. I yeah. think we can carry on. So, yeah. And honestly, I think I don't think that's a uh, that's a day in the life. It's like it's an hour by hour basis. Like it swings drastically back and forth. Oh, in absolutely. Short, short amounts of time. Yeah, totally. Um, and I found out that a, a a friend of mine, not I can't say he was a close friend, but he was a friend that I talked to more often than other people. Um, mm-hmm. He, I found out he died today, and so I'm just feeling a little bummed. But oh, um, yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, but he died in Hawaii of all places, so I don't even know what to yeah. think of that. Um, but well, it's always hard when it's somebody like when it when it hits that close to home because I think we've talked about this before. When you hear about bad things happening around the world, around the country, whatever, mm-hmm. it there's almost a there's there's a way to distance yourself from it because there's no direct correlation, right? It's like, oh yeah, I can understand that that is very sad. I can understand that is very traumatizing. But then when it happens to somebody that you know, or or even like, you know, somebody that knew that person, it just, the level of connection makes it so much more real. And I don't know what it is. I don't know why it works out that way, but it, I don't know. It, it's it's almost like you you absorb it, right? Like, well, I think it, Andy tells me this sometimes that as humans we have to disassociate ourselves to some degree mm-hmm. just to proceed forward, <laughs> just to survive. Well, I mean, think about it. If we thought about the fact that I think more people die in car crashes than mm-hmm. pretty much anything, we would never get in a car. And we'd sure as hell never let somebody that we love get in a car. Oh, hell no. Right? But probably quite a few people, if they're listening to this, are listening in a car, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not here to freak you out. (laughs) Drive safely, please. Yeah. Um, No listeners were lost in the recording of this podcast. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, we have to disassociate ourselves. But when it's someone that you know or you maybe were just talking to, 
and and they pass, it's it's difficult because it makes you face your own humanity and the loss of the person. Of course, I think that's the first thing, but then yeah. it also makes you realize, oh shit, um, I don't want to stress out about this blogging thing too much because, you know, you don't know how much longer like you got. What happened over so. here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but that is a bummer and, um, Rob rest in peace and, um, we're going to move on to something interesting, which is AI. Super interesting. Oh my goodness. AI. AI. Yes. This was requested. Everybody knows. Yes. It was requested by a listener. Thank you so much. Thank (laughs) you guys. Gina and Louise, this is for you. So so exciting. Yeah. Um, Okay. I just want to start with you because I told you before we started recording that probably 95% without exaggeration of our business life is focused on this topic this year. It is. Which is insane. Yeah. It is difficult to walk past us in this house because we work out of our house without a conversation about AI happening somehow, somewhere. Mm-hmm. So um, it is real for us. But with that in mind, I, you and I have not pre-discussed this topic, so we sure I haven't. Hear, no, so I want to hear your first thoughts on when I say AI. What do you think about? Well, I mean, my first thoughts when it comes to AI is like overwhelm, you know, because the trying to understand and wrap your brain around AI, its implications, its uses, um, it, 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 it's. It's overwhelming. It's a lot to think about, right? But at the same time, AI has already been in our lives for quite some time. We just so true haven't really thought about it as AI, right? Like if you have a um, some sort of smart hub in your home, whether that's a Google Home or an Alexa or whatever it may be, like that's AI, and those have been around for years. You know, your your phone assistant, Siri and Google assistant, like all, all these things, we have been exposed to it. We have been using them. We just never thought of them as AI, or at least that's how I, that's how I I think you're right. I don't think that people consider the fact, and I think part of this, do you remember um, when Siri first came out and there was this big hoopla about the voice of Siri, the person who was a voice, because we knew that there was a real person behind the voice. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I don't think that there was this association of, even though there was a real person behind the voice, I don't think that we had this mental association that we were talking to the AI that was using her voice. Right. You know what right I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. I don't think people have had as much direct conversation or interaction with AI as they do now with the new AI tools being released with ChatGPT and Bard mm-hmm. and Claude. And, um, but we did have Jasper. So, I mean, there's that. But I don't think that people were understanding the direct correlation of how much AI was being used before it became to the front and center like this. Right, right. Well, and now you can't even like, especially on social media platforms, right? Like, you throw a rock and you hit 20 people that are like AI experts. And <laughs> yeah, YouTube is so good about that right now too. Yes. There's so many people that um, you hear what they have to say and 
you almost kind of like gloss over it, you know, like you put your blinders up and it's like, oh, well, that's not for me. That doesn't pertain to me. I'm never going to use something like that. But once again, I think it's because the, um, we've talked about this before, how definitions are so important. Like what yes. is what is your definition of AI? What is everybody else's definition of AI? Is it the same? And I can tell you right now, it is not. Like my definition of AI is very different to everybody else's definition of AI only because I sit here and I think anything that can respond to me is AI. <laughs> so even even a Google search engine, that's AI. Because you're asking it a question and you're Absolutely. expecting it to give you an answer, right? And and this is separate from, you know, the new actual Google AI <laughs> search engine. Just a search engine, bing, Google, uh, I, I don't even know the others. Yahoo? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm so far removed. Duck, and duck, Google go. is a verb for me. So <laughs> yeah, DuckDuckGo. Yeah. So all of those are AIs. But that may not be the same definition for other people. So once again, definitions are very important. And it, I think that's the first thing people need to do is define what AI means to them. Yeah, that makes sense. I think in the medical field, is AI used often for processing perhaps or um, maybe analyzing x-rays? Is it involved in any way? So there are, yes. So in the healthcare industry, um, like let's, let's talk specifically about like imaging, right? So when you get, when you get an MRI, an x-ray, CAT scan, or whatever it may be, um, the images are sent to a radiologist and the radiologist reviews your images and then dictates a report. So for my definition of AI, they've been using AI for many, many years because the the dictation modules that they currently use um, they auto transcribe. So before that was a thing, um, they would have a literal recorder where they dictate their findings, and that recording was sent to a transcriptionist who would type out what the doctor dictated. Right. And and now it's built into what's called the PACS. Um, or what is it? Picture archival communication system, I think is what it stands for. Um, okay. But when, when they are in, like when a radiologist is inside of their packs, which is where they view the images, they dictate their findings and it, it transcribes in real time what their dictation is so they can correct it. Um, you know, if it mishears them and things like that, but AI is heavily used in, in those, like they use dragon dictation in the beginning. And then after a while it turned into something else. I can't remember what the other one was, but, uh, dragon learns from one specific user's, uh, data file. Whereas the other, the newer ones, it learns from multiple users data files. So if somebody speaks with a Southern accent and says words a little bit differently, it'll learn that, oh, well, out of this subset of files, this word is said this way by this population. You know, like all of that is AI. Like it's figuring all of that out so that it can understand the user 
much more easily so and then they're not having to edit. Okay. So then this brings up a question because one of the fears with AI, which I think is reasonable and understandable, but also we don't know the future, what it will create. But one of the biggest fears is jobs lost, right? Mm -hmm. So think about what you just said. It used yeah. to be sent off to someone who transcribed it. Mm -hmm. So is that a job erased? That was a job erased. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was a job erased. Now, in the professional sense, though, because that's that's the other part of AI being used in healthcare that maybe people don't know or don't realize is there is the ability to send those images, those scans, um, through a program that will analyze the images and determine this is within normal, like the average normal sets of images, or yes. this is potentially a finding, you right. know, and it's all, it's all based on averages, right? Like mostly that's, that's what it comes down to. But without the, without the human aspect of it, like there's no checks and balances because yes, people make mistakes, but machines make more. We're <laughs> right. Oh my God. Machines yes. can make more mistakes only but because I just meant the transcriber is removed from the process. Yeah. So the transcriber is removed, but that, that was definitely a fear of, um, if they were going to start using AI for reading images that the radiologist role would be removed, but I see, I see. It's not, it like, that's not the actual case. It is now, and I say this all the time whenever I do talk about AI, is it is a tool. It is a tool to help maximize the efficiency of that person's role. So now the radiologist can use the tool of AI to do a preliminary, like, what do you think are the abnormal findings? And then the AI says, I think these are abnormal findings. And then the radiologist can focus on that and be like, yes, right. I agree. These are abnormal findings. Or no, I think that's artifact, meaning that it's just a, you know, sure. like maybe somebody has a piece of metal that like makes it a little, little bit brighter. And to the untrained eye that, sh you know, they see a bright spot and they're like, oh my gosh, that's a tumor. But a radiologist, a professional can look at mm -hmm. it and know that is not a tumor. That is artifact. That is just interference in the image. Um, right, right. That makes sense. And a AI is not there yet where it can determine that all it sees is, you know, 90% of this section is very bright. Ergo, that is in my database, according to my database, that is a, a tumor or a mass or whatever it may be. Right. There are so I didn't many even know I knew in, all these things. <laughs> yeah, no, there's so many interesting things in that. So, okay, so let's go back to the transcribing for just a second because yeah. if it's being read by AI, so he's the, the, he or she 
is dictating into their AI machine. Mm-hmm. So how does that work with data and HIPAA compliance? Usually the PACs is um, like a lot of them are cloud-based. So they are cloud-based, but they're, you know, encrypted and things like that. But there's typically, I mean, it's it's been several years since I've been like really deeply involved in um, setting up these types of systems for yeah. healthcare providers. So I'm just basing this off of, you know, experience let's say like five years ago. So my my technology experience and knowledge about this is about five years old or more. Got it. Um, So just as a a disclaimer, if people are listening to this and they're like, oh my God, she has no idea what she's talking about. You're right. I have no idea what I'm talking (laughs) about now, but I know what I'm talking about five years ago. (laughs) Well, I guess the reason I bring this up is because one of the fears is like, oh my God, AI is going to learn everything about me. And then somehow I'm going to get hacked and people are going to use this against me or um, health insurance companies aren't going to cover me because they have this data or jobs aren't going to hire me, whatever the fears are because of the Mm -hmm. data. Right. Yeah. But I would, I would suggest that's still true. Even if it's being sent off and transcribed, anytime something's some data is collected about you, whether it's from a human or from an AI, it's still data collected about you. Right. And and let me tell you, maybe to put people's mind at ease right now, is um, there has been a push to centralize data in healthcare for many, 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 many years. Right. And as of today, there is still no centralized system or database for healthcare information, meaning that um, – if I go to St. Luke's, right? I go to St. Luke's, I see doctors there, they take med notes in their St. Luke's system. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they take their notes, they upload my test results into their database and things like that. If I decide I no longer want to go to St. Luke's or for some reason St. Luke's no longer takes my insurance. So now I'm going to go to Kelsey Siebold and I go to Kelsey Siebold. Do you know... It's like a freaking act of Congress to get your medical records from the other place because there is no central database, even though they're like, oh, we can share the information very easily. What they mean is they can fax. I I mean, I don't know if people. Right. It makes me think about how difficult it is to move uh, prescriptions from one pharmacy to the other. Yes. And so to go back to your point about like HIPAA compliance and things like that, in in terms of data being stored, usually the way that the PACs are set up is, um, you know, it goes to a centralized cloud database, but there is a physical on-site server that acts as a relay. And that is, it. we call it a cache server. And that's where snapshots of the past, I mean, you can um, determine the the length of time but typically it's like the last 30 days is stored on this cache server so that if there is a internet connection being down people can still like the doctors the radiologists can still access the images because it's physically on site like it's connected to their internal network so they don't need the internet in order to access the last 30 days of images does that make sense yes Um, makes total sense yeah so so the data is still the responsibility of the provider. 
Got it. So yeah. it doesn't go into a central government database. I mean, for the conspiracy theorists out there, I'm sure there probably is something that collects all of the data. I don't know. I, for for all we know, they they can make clones of us right now, right? <laughs> like if they wanted yeah. to, because they have sure. all that information. Um, but systemically, like systemically, Systematically, systematically, I don't know, whatever. Um, in the healthcare, specifically in the healthcare industry, the data is the responsibility of the provider. So you get an x ray done at St. Luke's and you get a CAT scan done at Memorial Herman, they, that's where they live. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. live at the place that you had it done. When I think about this topic in general of AI, and, and what you're saying here makes me think about how often we'll be sitting in the kitchen and we have a, um, an Echo Show there, Amazon, I think it's mm-hmm. uh, Echo Show. Yeah, the one with the screen. With the screen, and, yeah. Yeah. And how many times we'll be sitting there trying to ask it to set a timer <laughs> for what we're cooking and to the point where we just give up because we wasted two of the five minutes trying to get the timer set. Uh huh. Yep. Or we ask it what the weather was, and it tells us about something completely different, or doesn't respond at all. Yep. So if you think about how inefficient it all still really is, then thinking that they are building clones of you for, because you went to get an X-ray mm-hmm. or a mammogram, the government's just not that efficient. We all complain no, about the not. government all the time. I mean, think about the fact that the IRS. I looked this up the other day. I don't remember even why. What. Last time it was reported, the IRS was like 2 million um, things behind, you know. Um, oh, sure. Tax returns behind or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So we, um, we're we just not that good at mass doing anything as a people, no. I don't think. so. Nope, nope. Well, that and, you know, there's um, – you've got to take into account the the human – aspect of control you know everybody wants to control their own thing so that's the reason why there's no there's no centralized system because nobody can get on the same page about what it should and shouldn't have and then who can access it and you know like if everybody can just like play nice and then say these are the things that it needs to have and everybody agrees on it unanimously I mean when that happens I would be shocked um well then try to get the computer systems and everything required to make that happen. Even if we yes. agreed, actually trying mm-hmm. to accomplish it. I mean, okay, if you want to think of it as a thought experience experiment, go gather 15 people, put them in mm-hmm. the same room, and ask everybody where they want to go out to dinner. <laughs> let me know. Let me know how it goes and where, yep. how quickly you come to an agreement. And how you came to that agreement. Because I can tell you that we literally used to have, um, because we would have these big um, holiday gatherings, we had all of the restaurants in the area when I lived in Bedford on a slit of paper and they were folded up and they were in a little basket. Because Mm -hmm. when we would all get together, we could not ever agree on where to go to dinner. So we would just put all the restaurants in the basket, pull pull the thing out. And that was it. That's where we were going because you can't agree. So, yeah. 
trying to get the well, government to agree on <laughs> resolution is nearly impossible. Yeah, I mean, just in in general, if you just look at the the laws that they try to pass, you know, like nobody can agree on anything. But what I was going to bring up is, so I started working in corporate healthcare back in 2008, okay? Yeah. So in 2008, the clinic that I worked in was still working in paper charts, which means that there was a file room that had physical charts with copy paper in it of forms that the patients have filled out, their medical information and things like that. So some of these patients' charts were like super thick. And um, and you had to, so when somebody scheduled an appointment, you walked into that file room and you went alphabetically like looking for that person's physical chart, right? Yeah. So I started in 2008. We were still working out of paper charts, but we were transitioning because they were requiring that um, medical facilities switch to an electronic record keeping. Oh, and so okay. so we, I was there as we were going through the migration from paper to electronic documents. I can tell you right now that same office, when I go in there, there are still paper being used. There's still paper being used. Like it isn't, it's, it's about as paper free as we can get it mm -hmm. based on based on the population as a whole because you can provide the patients the ability to fill out their paperwork online but there are some people that resist that and they're like I want actual paper so how do you account like how can you get to 100% compliance it's difficult right because you will always have people that will resist it and you need to be able to accommodate that, right? Because what right. if what if they say I don't own a computer? I don't own a I don't own a computer and I don't have a smartphone. My phone is just a flip phone and all I can do is make phone calls. Yeah, what are you going to do? You have to be able to provide them paper paperwork. And look, if people say well, that's ridiculous, those kind of people don't exist. They do. <laughs> oh, yeah. During COVID, we really found out the reality of some people's lives because I don't mm -hmm. know about all school districts, but I know in um, oh my gosh the school districts that we came that we came from HEB first mm -hmm. Ulysses Bedford. Um, it turned out there were a lot of kids that didn't have the internet at home. Yeah, there were a lot yeah. of kids not that just, didn't have a not just computer. the internet. They they didn't have computers like the, That's right. the yeah. their computers were their phones like the smartphone and it wasn't right. it probably wasn't even like the latest model it was just like whatever the family could afford right and it was the right. one phone between all of them yeah honestly it was very surprising um i i was quite surprised at the number i can't remember the numbers now but it was a high number of kids that mm -hmm. did not have a computer or the internet at yep. home Neither one of them and of yeah. those things. It w and so they had to come up with solutions for that. Now kids mm -hmm. get, I think it's Chromebooks um, yeah, at HEB. Yeah. And um, remember, I remember seeing pictures of kids or people that were like going and pulling up places just to get the free Wi-Fi. I was yeah. very surprised by that. It, it yep. took me off guard because I'm so, you know, I'm a blogger and a content creator. So we're so digitally plugged in. I, oh, yeah. It's so rare that I'm without the internet. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, 
Well, that's interesting because that's a that's a really good point. I, I don't think people I think people take what they're currently using for granted as far as AI goes. They don't really consider it as an, an impediment. Mm-hmm. But now it's becoming more forward and that's where it's impacting what I do. Right. Yeah. 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 And boy, that has been a whole other world of um, surprise. This year has just been nothing but surprise as far as AI goes. It was not on the radar. And then OpenAI came out and Microsoft partnered with them and everything changed in a day. Yeah. And nothing changed in a day. It's such a strange thing. Yeah. So the thing with AI too is um, the the technology that is available, easily available to everyone, for example, like the Siri, the Google Home, the Alexas, whatever, um, mm-hmm. they're not being utilized to their full capacities. Like, you know, just your example um, of using your Alexa or your Google Home as a timer, like that's probably the majority of usage that, like, I know I use our Alexa for timers all the time. Me and too. It's we- primary purpose. It's primary purpose is set a timer for X amount of time, right? Or set a reminder for, or add this to the shopping list, right? But there are so, there's so much you can do with the AI that's readily available to everyone. And we are underutilizing it. Like my husband set up our smart lights or our, because we upstairs, the kids, because as you know, I have two young kids. Um, they have this innate, (laughs) it's, it's like an innate thing. I think all kids do this. They just don't turn off lights, right? So they get ready for school. They come downstairs. I look upstairs and I can see all the lights are on up there. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this every single day where I have to go upstairs and switch off lights. right? Right. So my husband installed these smart lights And um, he hasn't done it for all of upstairs, but he's done it for the main traffic areas. So it's basically like the stair, the staircase light, Mm -hmm. the landing light, and then the light that's in front of the um, the bedrooms where my other daughter is, because like their rooms are on opposite sides of the upstairs, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, he he was able to integrate those smart lights with our Alexa, right? Right. And mm-hmm. so all we have to say is, Alexa, turn off all lights. And then guess what? All the lights upstairs turn off. Or you say turn on lights and all those lights turn on. Yeah. Or you can say turn off landing light and it'll turn off just that light. You know, and the first time he was explaining that to me, I I mean, my mind was blown. And I was like, what? I can control, like we can have a Tony Stark-esque home where I just speak and it's our Jarvis like this is amazing yeah it's so cool um we have that for just a couple of lamps in Bedford we had it throughout the house because we could reach the lights easier but okay this house came with those led lights that last forever and I'm grateful and so I don't want to pay the money to replace them plus I would have to hire someone to get on a ladder and do it and so I haven't done it so freaking high exactly (laughs) And, and so I haven't done it, but on the lamps, but here's the thing. It goes back to the same problem. I have two things that keep happening. Don't know why. Can't figure it out. 
but for some reason, randomly, it's like we have something set up that I can't, neither one of us can find, or our Alexa is alive, because one of the <laughs> lamps comes on every day and turns green. What? Don't know. It's haunted. I swear to God. Um, Wait, we it can't... turns green? Yeah, because our, our lights turn colors. But it just does it randomly. Just randomly. Don't know why. Okay. Does it does it turn green and stay green? Or it yes. like turns green and then, oh my gosh. Just one of them. Just one. And and if I try to ask it to like make the light white, it's like it can't hear me. And then sometimes it can hear me. And so I don't know. It's almost. Anyway, the point is we, <laughs> there's so much that you can. Yes, that's weird. I know. But there's so much that you can do. But only if precisely do it properly, say it properly, where it hears yes. you properly yep. and understands you. And often I'll ask it a question because, you know, you think it's good for questions, but it'll be like, mm -hmm. well, I can give you that answer on your phone if you would like. I'm like, no, I wanted to hear the answer. I didn't want right, to see right. the answer. If I wanted to see the answer, I would have picked up my phone and Googled it myself. You know? So you a good way to think about AI is um, utilizing, I just had a conversation with someone about this, um, like likening AI to the, the story of the, the monkey paw. Okay. The monkey paw that gra grants wishes. You, you haven't heard of that? No. So it's a monkey paw that grants wishes. But the thing is, um, if you're very generic about your wish, it like finds a way to make something wrong with your wish. Does oh. that make sense? So, yeah. so if you say, I wish, I wish that I had a million dollars. Like that's my wish. And then the monkey paws like, okay, wish granted. So all of a sudden you have a million dollars, but you're, you are also in jail because it's stolen money. You know, like <laughs> you didn't specify. So yeah, you didn't specify that I wish I had a million dollars that I did not get in trouble for, that nobody had to pay for, like nobody uh, was affected by. You have to be like very specific. And right. that's kind of how you have to approach all the AI stuff, right? Because even things like chat GPT, sure, you can ask it very simple questions like you do inside of Google when you do a search. Like, mm -hmm. um, oh, what was the example that... Uh, that I said earlier, do fish sleep at night? Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. You can type that in, do fish sleep at night, but in something like chat GPT, because it's such a generic and broad thing question, like it'll give you a generic and broad answer. Mm -hmm. But if you specify, like if you can find the right prompt, the right Prompts are everything, ask. by the way. Yes, prompts are everything. So with ChatGPT, you can say, you can, instead, you can ask, like, um, do fish sleep at night and is it safe for them? Like, do, or whatever it is. But I can't even think of an example. But you can, no, you can change but I understand. I, so I do have, I actually have a great example because we have used this. Um, this is something that we learned about in um, a... Uh, conference that I attended and we were gifted with this prompt that we can use to to ask what our ideal client avatar is so like when oh. when you go into business you 
and you go and create your business plan, like one of the things that you want to specify or you want to define, once again, definition is important. One of the things you want to define is who is your customer? Who are you serving? And a lot of businesses get caught up in that because they're like, oh, well, I want to serve everyone. But but that's not how business works. Like in business, it's usually better to get really specific about who you are helping because then you can use their language to them. So when they hear your marketing, when they see your marketing, they feel like you are talking to me because that's how specific you have been in defining your ideal customer. So yeah, like John Lee Dumas perfected this. Yeah, he did. And so with ChatGPT or with tools, AI tools like ChatGPT, you can type in there, um, what is the ideal customer avatar for somebody in digital marketing? And then it'll be like, oh, well, here you go. And then you get this really generic, you know, response. And then it's not any better than what you could have come up with, right? But what we were gifted with was a two-page prompt. And I say it's two pages because um, when you look at it in a Google Doc, it'll it'll break everything down for you, right? But mm-hmm. um, here, let me pull it up so I can tell you a little bit about how it's broken out, okay? So your ideal customer profile prompt. So this is how it starts, okay? It says... We are creating an ideal customer profile for my business. The profile will be made up of sections with answers to questions based on the information I provide for you. What I sell, and then you you write down what you sell. What problem do I believe my customers have? You define that. What I believe the customer's outcome is, define that. And then how I define my customer, define that. So those are, so one, two, So there are four sections that you have to specifically input the data or the information for your industry, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the whole prompt. That's just the beginning part of the prompt. The prompt continues with demographic information. What is the educational background of my customer? Where might my ideal customer live? What types of jobs might they have? What job titles may they have? What is their average income range? How old are they? Are they married? And if so, how long have they been married? Do they have children? What groups or organizations does this customer belong to? That's section one. By the way, can we just say, if you can fill all of that out, you're probably 95% ahead of the rest of your competitors. Well, but here's the thing. So with this, like that demographic information where it's got the questions, that is your questions to ChatGPT, to the AI, to respond based on the four questions that you answered in the beginning. Wow. So the rest the rest of the information is ChatGPT, the AI, filling out that information for you. Wow. That's incredible. And this is... This is why this prompt is two pages long. I sure did. Of course I did. How did it? Of course you did. Of course you did. Because you're an overachiever. Um, I am. I know. But um, what, how accurate was it for you? Do you feel? Do you feel it did a good job? It was amazing. Once again, this is, the whole point of AI tools is that they are tools, right? They are not supposed to replace a job or a position or a person. So what we did was we did this prompt and then we used it as our starting board because 
some of the information it gave us, you know, we were like, oh, well, we don't really like that doesn't resonate with us. But Mm -hmm. because this is where it started, I think I think it's more this type of person. So like we tweaked it based on the responses that it gave us. We just use them as starting off points. So now we're not spending, you know, an hour just talking about, well, where do we start? Because now we have our starting point and we can get really specific much faster and we're not spending a whole week trying to define our ideal client avatar. They've given us a starting off point and now we can spend an hour to kind of like tighten it up and clean it up. So what do you do with that information? So that information, I'm so glad you asked. So that information, once we, once it spit out all that information, because it does break it out into like, there's demographic information, psychographic information, previous purchase behaviors, uh, key purchase drivers, fears and frustrations, wants and desires, core desires, qualifiers, and then... Uh, a before and after canvas. So those are the different sections that's part of this prompt that we put into the system. Mm-hmm. And then based on that information, that becomes our branding guide. So anytime that we are putting any content out there, whether it's for ourselves or for our clients, um, we refer to that ideal customer profile prompt to determine, does this language speak to this person that's been described here? Does it address their fears? Does it address their desires? Does it address their before and after? Like, this is where mm-hmm. I am now. This is where I want to be. Um, so we use that as kind of like our, our North Star. And it helps us to determine if we're on the right path in terms of language. Are right. we speaking to the person that we want to be speaking to? Well, I think you nailed what... I think is the key factor here, which is it's a tool. It is a tool. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. Now, tools do replace people all the time. Yeah. They absolutely do. But they also create new jobs, jobs we didn't think of yet. Exactly. Yes. And I know that's not comforting at all um, because, you know, you get good at a job, you want to keep doing it. You worked hard to get good at it. You don't want to have to change jobs it sucks I get that so I have a lot of empathy for that but that doesn't mean that time stands still Um, we have to look at the course of history and understand that you know I don't even think I'm no we definitely don't have a phone book in this house (laughs) neither do we yeah exactly we do on Um, the internet sure yeah totally but we don't have one in the house And the amount of jobs that not having a phone book got rid of are are Mm -hmm. significant. You know, the paper company, um, the tree hall. I mean, you can go all the way back to the person who cut down the tree to make the paper, right? Um, But we still have plenty of paper floating Mm -hmm. around our houses. I can tell you that. I don't know what to do with it all the time. We just pile (laughs) it up because we don't know what to do with that printout or that thing, you know. And we'll deal with this later. So... Things just shifted, and that's just that's the way it is. I mean, the biggest that's shift part of human nature and evolution, right? Like the whole mm-hmm. point of life is to change and adapt to that change. So right. it's the same thing with jobs. You know, like what you said. Sure, AI could replace 
a subset of jobs, but the people that were in that job now have a very specific skill set skill set that they can transition to something else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about the the impact of it on blogging is significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for copywriters, editors, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also the other thing too, I think we're making a mistake by calling these large language models AI in the sense of we're, con- we're, we're conflating it to be, we're, we're talking about these things, these tools, like they're um, robotics almost, like they're the AI robots that we've invented. That's not really true. And as no, a matter of fact, not. as we go farther and farther with these large language models, um, they're getting dumber. And yeah. we have a lot. And, and, and it's real, though. And, it, and it's yeah. really true. I've watched it this year. Just mm-hmm. get dumber and dumber and worse at its answers. It, it's it's funny. And um, we have a lot of questions still to ask because, you know, we mm-hmm. haven't even talked about the photography or the video side of all of this. There's so much to talk about there. But yeah. just with the content factor alone, all it's like doing. Like text-based content. Yes. T- yeah, text content all it's doing is it went out and it read a whole bunch of websites which is what most bloggers do by the way this is how you learn i mean it's just trying to learn so it went out and it read a whole bunch of books and a whole bunch of red websites consumed a lot of media and then it takes you ask it a question and then it analyzes its learning and it provides you with an answer the problem and is, once again, it's the law of averages because it's like, oh, well, majority of the things that I read are saying this. Therefore, this is the fact that I'm going to or this is the um, this is the information that I'm going to this is the answer prioritize. Yeah. Yes, because so many had this same or similar type of answer. Right. Exactly. So there's multiple problems. And one thing, too, I yeah. think that we should think of it. Like um, the predictive text, which is AI, by the way. AI, When you, when you right. text See, someone and it, and it does predictive text, mm-hmm. which is really fun um, and helpful. But I would say 50% of the time, the word that it thinks I'm going to type next is not the word that I'm going to type next in my text. But 50% mm-hmm. of the time it is. And then that 50% of the time is extremely helpful. Yeah. So one of the things that's happening now with the content, the text-based content is that it read, like, we'll just go with OpenAI for just the sake of conversation for just a second. It sure. read various websites, um, including my website, by the way, because you can, there's a tool where you can see how much percentage of that its data is your website. And it read your website and consumed this information but a lot of us bloggers, we read the internet, we make judgments, we read books, we make judgments, and then we summarize those answers into what we believe to be the best version of the answer, right? So sometimes we get that wrong as a collective because what happens is, we'll get, we'll, I'll give an example for um, a copycat recipe. So... The copycat recipe was um, Texas Roadhouse Green Beans. All right. I made that recipe. I did the best I could do, but I made a mistake. 
because I'm human and I made a mistake. So it wasn't like I purposely, it was just a mistake. I put too much um, liquid in it. And when I typed out the recipe and at the time I didn't have anybody QCing behind me. And oh no. Yeah. So that's fine, except that um, I was one of the first ones to put get one of the first, not the first, one of the first. I know that my recipe was accurate because I saw someone from Texas Roadhouse do a news segment on how to make this recipe. I know my recipe was accurate. I just made a mistake. Right. But yeah. The problem is other people wanted to make this recipe. And so they clearly read my recipe, used it as their guide for their recipe. And then now we have multiple versions. I've since f fixed my mistake. But uh, because my sister-in-law made it for a group of people and it turned into a disaster and she oh, was no. like, oh, my God, you really messed up. I know. What a yeah. terrible coincidence. But anyway, this is the life of blogging. Anyway, so now there's tons of instances of this mistake out on the Internet because mm -hmm. they clearly thought that I thought I knew what I was doing when obviously I didn't. <laughs> and um, so now there's terrible versions of this recipe out there multiplied across multiple websites. Yep. So then if chat GPT reads that recipe and thinks this is how you make Texas Roadhouse green beans. Exactly. Now all they're doing is regurgitating a mistake. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And, and maybe there's other better websites that had editing at the time. And like, you know, somebody big like Martha Stewart, which is not the case because she doesn't do copycat recipes, but let's just imagine that she did. And she yeah. has the editing team. She has everything she needs. And she makes the best, truest version. But you know what Martha Stewart probably did was told ChatGPT, because you could um, opt out of them using your content. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. You see where this is going, right? Yeah. So a lot of the bigger websites are opting out, which says, hey, we don't want you to use our content for your learning. So therefore... They've basically had to delete that content from their large language model, right? And now bloggers are having to make this decision because the, mm -hmm. the downside is if you opt out, you're also not going to show up on the front of Bing because now Bing uses ChatGPT as part of their search engine. So you are opting out of showing up. And if you opt out of ChatGPT, you're also probably going to opt out of Bard. And if you opt out, opt out of Bard or Gemini, which is the new upcoming search engine, then you're not going to show up on the front page of Google. Yeah. So it's a catch 22. It's a but triple some of, effect. Yeah. I know. But the problem is these, as these bigger websites in certain niches opt out, so does the really good data. So therefore, if you ask Bard how to make, copycat green bean recipes from you know um texas roadhouse god only knows what you're going to get as your answer because it also stopped in 2021 right so oh my goodness right so you see how this goes right and so there's a lot of questions to still be answered um as to where this is going and what the impact is going to be um but so right now what I do is I'm using it as an incredibly valuable tool to help me get started with an article. Like it helps me with my outlines. It helps me with ideation. 
yeah, helps me yeah. get started. And then I take that data and just edit the shit out of it. Yeah. And that's what I've been telling, you know, because we have with the clients that we work with, there's typically a handful of different copywriters, contractors mm-hmm. that are used. And their fear was, well, if you guys are going to start using chat GPT, then that means it's less work for me. And it's like, not necessarily, because what we're doing is we're a, we're trying to make it easier for you because now instead of you coming up with all the different topics, like we can give you a list because we've asked ChatGPT to compile a list of topics for you to write about. And even if we did say ChatGPT can write it too, you still need that human element once again for editing purposes to make sure that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. The information that it got actually makes sense. And... um and also to add that human emotion behind it, because that's something that AI can't do right now. We don't know if it'll ever be able to get to that point. But, you know, there's like there's this joke that goes around um, like outside of the, the tech space AI. I'm, I'm talking about the uh, like the graphic design AI and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I follow a group called Cursed AI and... Oh. It's hilarious. It's so funny because people will put prompts into um, the AI generator or the image AI generator and then they share it because they're like, look, AI didn't understand what I was asking for. Or they like to point out like every single time you ask AI to create anything that has that involves human hands, it can't like it it just has such a hard time with fingers like it never knows. Even if you say with five fingers, what they always what always ends up happening is it's five fingers and a thumb. So it's yes. six fingers. Right. Yeah. But then if you say if you say four fingers and a thumb, it still doesn't get it right. And right. you know, so the cursed AI group, I I think it's hilarious. Some of the things are nightmare inducing. Like I'm like, I wish I never saw that because that is traumatizing. You know, like yes, what is was wrong with AI? Up. Yeah. Well, I think you you bring up something interesting. A while back, I don't know, a few months ago now, um, I did a, I watched a YouTube compilation of AI commercials. Oh my gosh, yes. It was so dark. Mm -hmm. Every commercial went dark. And and it was like, if this is how AI sees humanity, which it clearly is, because if you keep going yeah. in in the ideation I love with the AI beer commercial, yes, uh, just horrifying, yeah. just truly terrifying. Yeah. And so I do think that but AI also sees hilarious. Us. <laughs> yes, yes, but I think it. We need to pay attention to that because I think it is something where we need to think about the reflection that we're putting out into the world. The AI is reflecting back on us as a people. Um, that's some dark shit. And I, that's a great analogy. Yeah. Because AI is a reflection of us. Yeah. It has no original ideas. It has no original ideas. I never even thought about that way. That's, that's so interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have original ideas. It's only reflecting back how it views ourselves and it's all trying, it's just trying to predictive text. Well, you know, humanity loves to watch these dark ass scary movies so clearly that would sell really well in a pizza commercial Mm -hmm. so let's just have people you know dying everywhere and they'll love pizza 
Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, you, you really have to spend some time thinking about that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's turned into a really useful tool to me. I would say it's, it's equally as useful as like, um, Google docs, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sped up some, a lot of our processes and it's made our content, in my opinion, far better quality, but only because it's a foundation and it forces exactly. you, it forces you to get past the mundane parts of right. creating content. So like, let's say that, you know, I'll give you an example, um, how to reheat tacos in the air fryer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to have in your mind, by the way, it does not know the answer to jack shit. No, like it can't it get it right. What it can do is put together a foundation and then yeah. you go through and correct everything. If uh-huh. you start using Bard to cook with, then God help you because no, I was gonna it say good just you. can't get it right. <laughs> it can't get it right because nobody... A lot of people didn't take the time to get things right themselves, right? right? Like, I'll give you a perfect example. We had a long conversation about this. We had to get some pancakes involved because how to reheat pancakes in the air fryer. If you followed the AI directions on that, A, they would catch on fire and um, or just burn up. It would just be a disaster. Oh but there's, you know, it's really interesting because sometimes you only need 45 seconds for something. And if you put leave something in for two minutes... It doesn't sound that bad. Two minutes is no time at all. But when you're trying to reheat a pancake, it, it's it's a big difference, right? Right, right. Yeah. And trying to get those little subtle things right. And no matter how many AIs I ask or how many times I ask these questions, AI just does not get it right. But yeah. it is excellent at helping with outlines. It's excellent with helping oh, with the sure. generalities of how to structure something yeah. and what to write. And then you have to fact check the shit out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's been so interesting because it took us all year to figure out how to use it. Mm-hmm. And of course, what the impact was going to be. And the impact is a whole other question. Because yeah. like if you if you just talking about blogging, Google or Alphabet makes 65%, I think, of their revenue comes from ad revenue. Oh, wow. That's a pretty big chunk. I think that's right. I mean, I'd have to look that up to be sure. But it's somewhere, it's a really, really high percentage. And so if they were to kill blogging, then they would kill their own revenue because they're not going to be able to put enough blogs. They're not going to be able to put enough ads in the middle of their SGE answers. It's just not going to work out. Right, right, right. You need the body of a blog for those ads. And I know a lot of people are so excited about the potential of being able to look up an answer and there not be any ads. But if there's not ads, there is no internet. That's yeah. just the well, way it because is. I, we, and we've talked about this before too, but there's a price to pay, you know? Like it, it, there's nothing that's actually free. Because, no, absolutely not. Yeah, like you're you're exchanging free, free, quote unquote, access for the ability for advertisers to get in front of you. You know, that yeah. it's... TV is the same way, right? Like all these streaming services, this is the reason why you pay a premium for no ads. But right. if you don't want to pay that premium, yeah, you can pay a cheaper amount, but they're going to serve you ads because that's how they're making money from it. Right. Like that's how they make up the difference in the money. Yeah. I think people really don't understand that. 
And I, and I mean that because like, if you, if you scroll through Facebook, I'm sure you've seen it where it's like the Facebook post that says, according to this attorney, if we post this thing, Facebook cannot charge us. And oh they're going to start gosh, charging yeah. people $5 a month. Yeah. And, yep, yep. <laughs> and um, you also can't use my photos and you can't do this and you can't do that. And so <laughs> I laugh at these because it's like, first of all, just because you tell Facebook you're not going to pay them, if they want to charge, they're going to charge. They're going to charge it. Yep. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, can you tell your electric company, I want you to provide me free electricity and that's it. I'm not going to pay you, but you're still going to give me the electricity. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people don't, they just, and, and I'm not even giving people a hard time. I, I, I You just don't know. You just right. don't understand how it works. And I understand that. There's a lot of things that I do not understand how they work, but that doesn't mean that you can just get everything for free because with Facebook, what you're doing is you're giving away all of your data. Mm-hmm. All and anytime you like anything, your habits, your habits. That's right. Because mm-hmm. every single like, every time you sc- slow down your scroll, every time you speed up your scroll, all of that is recorded, and that's mm-hmm. what they get, which is a- worth a lot. Obviously, they're a very rich company. It's worth a lot of dollars. Your data, yeah. so for free. Technically, as far as you're not giving them money, you're just giving them something of far greater value, which is your attention and your data. And then they yeah. make money by selling ads, right? Yep. Yep. And so that's how all of this works. So if Google were to completely get rid of blogs, then um, they would be getting rid of most of their revenue. And that doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. And they can't make up that revenue just by serving ads on the front page of Google. That's not enough. That's not right. a, nearly enough. So, yeah, That's it's an crazy. interesting future ahead. It is. It's so, and and it's happening so quickly too, or seemingly quickly. But if you yeah. really think about it, like when when did we first get like Siri or some sort of voice assistant, right? Like. It was quite some time ago. Mm -hmm. And so the reason why it feels like everything is just speeding up so much is because of how much attention is being brought to it now. Right. Because it's now becoming. And then the label of AI. Yeah. Like everything has the, this is AI, this is AI, but you know, it's like, okay, well, once again, if you wanted to define what AI is, it's as simple as going all the way back to when Siri was first released, or um, I'm trying to think of what could have been older than that. Um, but like text to speech or speech to text. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of um, deeply embedded things that were AI driven too. Like mm-hmm. I get the impression that Texas instruments has had a lot going on for years with AI. Yeah. Um, well, Cause and they for were part of that. Accessibility purposes. Yes. Anything that is for accessibility, sure, a lot of that is or satellites. Yeah, it's all been driven, um, either driven by AI or that what that is what has driven AI to become what it is now. Well, and another thing too, improvements. I think a lot of it's coming up now too because it is more front and center as far as Mm -hmm. um, creativity goes. Consumption. Because we, as a nation, yeah. we are we consume, right? And so yeah. 
the Hollywood's been on strike partially because of AI, right? We have the search engines doing their flashy AI stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have a lot of questions. Like the FTC is trying to decide if they want creators. You know how we have to put affiliate tags if we have affiliates? Now they're, yeah. they're, they're discussing if creators will have to put an AI tag. If AI assisted you in writing this content, they may. Oh, that's make interesting. It. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay. And so that hasn't been done yet, but it's in conversation. And of course, to that point, going back to the Hollywood thing, though, and the creator thing, AI is only as smart as the content that it's fed. And so if large creators keep pulling out their content from the feeding, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, what's going to be left? It's just going to be the worst of the worst, which makes it completely useless, which is why I said right. to you before we even started this call, I'm not completely convinced that Google will launch AI as a large part of their um, public search engine. They may, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but I'm not convinced yet because I think there's still so many questions to be answered about how the content is sourced. Yeah. Like, um, because what you're talking about is uh, like Google has, I I don't know if people even know, Do, do you know that there's a search or there's labs like the Google Labs. So when oh, you yeah. open your Google Chrome browser um, in the corner, there's labs and these are things that they're testing. Mm-hmm. So they're they're in, I guess they're beta testing, um, but they're available for you to use and then you report the bugs so that they can improve or whatever. But it's not a full, it's not the full featured um, whatever it is they've created, right? But a lot of people don't even know that you can click on that and then start using the the Google AI search. Right. Like you have to turn it on. Yeah, you have to so, turn it on. And, yeah, it, and it's only it recently on. became available to everyone. Um, right. It's an option to turn on. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it was a thing. Like a lot of people don't don't even realize that there are all these new things that are available for them to to test. And mm-hmm. to kind of play with before it's completely launched. So there's probably people that are listening who every time we say the the Google search AI, they're like, oh, so Google search. No, this is no, different. No, it is separate is- from your regular Google search. And you're the one that has more experience with it, too. So I don't know if you wanted to kind of like dive a little bit deeper into that, because all I know is like the superficial, like I said, mine is turned on and all I do is ask it a question. And it's just interesting to me, like what it what it compiles. Oh, yeah. So in my circle of content creators that I participate in, um, like some of my membership groups and stuff like that. Every day we're discussing the new thing that we find. Like we all share, we found this thing. We found this thing. Like the other day I found on the normal Google without the um, testing turned on, just the normal, because I test both all day, every day. I'm always looking at the Google that the average person sees, and then I'm looking at it with these tests turned on. Well, on the average, on the normal Google, is what I'm going to call it, um, the non-beta version, I found this thing. I don't even know how to describe this with words, but I typed in a keyword phrase and it popped up with people also ask in the, so there's a little pop-up screen at the, where you type it in and it said, well, people also ask, here's your answers, but people also ask these questions and here's some related um, recipe cards 
and that was brand new. I don't, I don't even think it's still there. It was just something they're testing. They're literally testing everything that they can think of right now. It's crazy. And mm. there's this thing called the SERP Watcher. And what it does is, <laughs> normal years, you watch it to see if maybe Google is making some changes to their algorithm. And it's on a scale of 1 to 10. And a normal year, unless there's a, a Google algorithm update happening, it kind of floats around the 3 to 4 range maybe. And this year it's just been at 10. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, it's just there. It's just every yeah. day. It's crazy. Things are changing and right. it's a lot to keep up with. It is maddening um, how many changes they're making and none of us know what to do because there's a whole world. It's a dark place mm -hmm. for the United States. This is going to sound dramatic, but I could walk you through it. It is a dark world if suddenly blogging no longer exists. Yeah. It's a Not dark... Not just for the United States, but... Well, for the whole world. Yeah. For the it, whole world, yeah. Yeah. Because there, there, there's a massive economy centered around this. Yeah. And um, things people... It just goes back to, like, the paper thing. It's just things people don't think about. You know, if you get rid of phone books, it impacts the people who um, grow the trees, you yeah. know? So, so much of the um, economy today is built around supporting blogging yeah. and everything that it entails. So Blogging and content creation, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In general, content creation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, a, it's an interesting topic and it's a topic that we'll probably be talking about on and off for a long time. Absolutely. And I, I do love the fact that we have very differing experiences with AI. Yes. Like, you know, so I think having those different perspectives is super helpful because there, there are things that you know about that blow my mind. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, and then vice versa. Like I can, oh, absolutely. Take, I can give you a peek behind the curtain of, especially in the healthcare industry. Right. Um, so like interesting. How AI is being used because there, that's a lot of stuff that as a patient, you don't think about it. As a patient, yeah. you go get your scan done and then you wait for the mm -hmm. results, right? Like you wait for that report to be generated. But like how many times have you actually sat down to think, well, how did this report get generated? Never. 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 No, I don't even think about it. I'm more concerned yeah. with the results. Exactly. Yeah. And then and then on top of that, you know, like you've never had to question, well, was this was this report generated by a real person or was it generated by a tool like a software right. nobody questions that right but once again these are the things that are happening in healthcare on the on the back end like behind mm -hmm. the curtain that you don't know about and yeah it it affects you as the patient <laughs> i mean this yeah. is it i think mostly i'm speaking at it from the experience of an american patient because right. in other countries, it could be very different. Their rules and regulations are incredibly different. So for all we know, like they're not using, um, they're either not using or they're overutilizing the, right. the things. You know, like we just don't know because it's a different country, different rules, different regulations, different laws, whatever it may be. But for Americans, like that is something that, as a patient, as somebody that lives here, I would I would be questioning that kind of stuff. I'd be very concerned. Like, okay, um, I see 
because on reports it always says like who read it who signed off on it like there's there is a trail I'm sure you have never even taken a second glance at any of that stuff like you've never no. double checked where no. it says didn't um, even know that existed read yeah read by transcribed by approved by like usually there's a three two or three um, checks and balances on there so what happens if all of a sudden you you start seeing uh analyze by and then it's a software and then right. approved by dr blah 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 it's like okay yeah. what does that mean yeah that's interesting so these yeah, are the that's things really i pay attention to <laughs> right and and to that point that's why you know maybe that's why the ftc is gonna make you put that info on there i don't know if that's gonna happen because i don't i think just like with everything else with this right now there's so many questions of how to validate that what yeah. does that mean? What percentage? If they wrote the outline, does that count? Um, you know, if they wrote 20% and I wrote 80% or vice versa, how do you define yeah. it? And so there's so many questions. Everything is up in the air. And yeah. we have a long ways to go. And again, I'm still not convinced because I'm not convinced in the end who is going to let AI use their site as the um, guide. We'll see. Well, on that note, we should go. We should. Sorry, I, I grabbed a report, like an imaging report, just to kind of double check. And yeah, like oh. this one in particular says, electronically signed by, and then it's got the doctor's name, and then there's dictated date, and then electronically signed by. So there are multiple electronic signatures. And that's another thing. Isn't that an AI situation? Like when it when you have a workflow where it goes from one person to somebody else to somebody else, yeah. that is artificial intelligence because you Absolutely. have created an if this, then that type of um, automation. So yeah, see, AI is so ingrained in our everyday lives and we don't even realize it. And I yes, know. that is a great place to, to end yes, <laughs> it really is. conversation. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for the for the request. Like, this yeah, was absolutely. a super interesting topic that I wasn't expecting to to talk about today. So, no, I know it's really good. Um, yeah, and it's an evolving topic every single day. I'm literally going to leave here and go and talk about it some more. Yeah, I, w I was going to say I'm I'm going to leave here and read a couple of things about like the the Google search. <laughs> oh, because I'm like I want to know more about this. Well, and, oh, God. And, you know, the thing is, too, um, Google created this thing called the Google. There's multiple, so many different very, um, pieces to the Google algorithm. And one of them is called the Google Helpful Content Update. And it has trained AI to judge, based upon lots of human interventions, um, okay. has trained AI on how to judge if your content is helpful or not helpful. And um, Whoa. so, I mean, Sorry, I should send looking you something. At it, I, I, I Googled it. What did you Google? <laughs> the helpful content Google's, update? Yeah. Google's helpful content system. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. See? Yeah. I, I just get sucked into this kind of stuff and then I go oh. down my rabbit hole. So. Oh, it's crazy. Um, and so. Renee, expect some text messages from me later <laughs> as okay. I as I dive deep into this and be like, What? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. There's oh. so much there. Okay. All right. Well, let's call it. Bye guys. Yes. And 
I was gonna say if anybody else has any requests on things that you want to hear us talk about um or follow especially or follow-ups yeah especially in the uh entrepreneurial world like we would love to have requests absolutely yay okay awesome thank you